Uh, we're turning for our Bible reading to the book of Genesis, to the chapter 33, the 33rd <coughs> chapter of Genesis, and we're going to read just a few verses from this chapter, and then as the Lord helps, we will look at other portions of God's word. But the chapter 33 of Genesis, the first nine, we commence at verse nine. And Esau said, I have enough, my brother, keep that thou hast unto thyself. And Jacob said, Nay, I pray thee, if now I have found grace in thy sight, then receive my present at my hand, for therefore I have seen thy face, as though I had seen the face of God, and thou wast pleased with me. Take, I pray thee, my blessing that is brought to thee, because God has dealt graciously with me, and because I have enough. And he urged him, and he took it. Amen. We'll end that short Bible reading there at the verse 11. We look to the Lord again in a wee word of prayer. Our God and our Father, we look to thee again. We come, Lord, unto thee now for help, as we would turn to thy word. We thank thee, Lord, for the hymns that we've been singing. We thank thee that they have presented us with the man of Calvary, the Lord Jesus Christ. But, Lord, we turn to thee now for thy word, and thou knowest the need that we have, Lord. We pray that thou would close us in with thyself, that we would hear the word from the Lord for our hearts even now. Pray, O God, that thou would help me in the preaching Thou knowest the need of the preacher today. Pray, Lord, that thou would meet that need for thine own glory's sake. Give to me, Lord, that fresh anointing, that I might know the power of God in the place of preaching. Give to me, Lord, I pray thee, that clarity of mind, and take from me everything that would distract me, Lord. Give to me that plainness of speaking that all will understand what the Lord has to say to us. But, Lord, we need thee, we look to thee, O oh, be pleased to tarry with us, and help us now in the word we pray, for we ask it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and Amen. In these verses that we read together from the chapter 33 of Genesis, these verses 9, 10 and 11, we find that we have this little phrase repeated, I have enough. Now, it isn't often that we find people that are so content that they can say, I have enough. Mankind in general is seldom satisfied and generally looking for more and more. And yet here we have two men in the one chapter, and perhaps more strange, they are two brothers because Often brothers can differ. They differ in their aspirations. They differ in their personalities. And yet on this occasion, these two men, these two brothers, they both can say similar things. They are content with what they have. And remember also that these two brothers, they are different regarding spiritual matters. We have one, Esau, 
And the Bible tells us that he was a profane person. And then we have his brother Jacob. And the Bible tells us in the preceding chapter here that Jacob, having met with God, that he was a man who had power with God. And yet both of these men say, I have enough. Both of them are content. However, for Esau, the unsaved man, his words of contentment carry a great danger with them. Esau is content, but he is content with earthly things only. He's content to live without the Lord. He's content to live without God's salvation. He's content to live without a hope of heaven. And here is a danger that many are in today. They are content with the things of the world. They are content to live without Christ. They are content to live without salvation. They are content to live without a hope of heaven. But our, our, our efforts today and our attention today is to be upon Jacob, upon the child of God. Now, the difference in what they say is before us here in these verses. Esau, he says, I have enough. When we look at Jacob here, we find that Jacob is saying something a little bit different. Because in the verse 11 he says, Because God has dealt graciously with me, I have enough. Esau has enough because he has the world's goods. Jacob says, I have enough because I have what the Lord has graciously given unto me. Indeed, there is a difference in the Hebrew word. Uh, when Jacob is saying here, I have enough, he is saying, I have all things. Because the word that he uses here for enough, it is the Hebrew word which means all things. The same word is translated over in Genesis 6 and 17 as everything. Jacob is saying here, I have enough because I have all things. I have everything because the Lord has given it to me. How like the words of Paul when he's writing there to the church in Philippi in the chapter 4 in the verse 18. He says, I have all and abound and I am full. Or like the psalmist who says, my cup runneth over. Both expressing the thought here that they have enough that the Lord has given to them a cup full of blessings that is full and running over. People, here is the sweetness of our text. Jacob had enough because God gave it to him. And this is the believer's position. We find in 1 Corinthians 3, the verse 21, we read there, All things are yours. Again, in the Old Testament, in the Psalm 84, in the verse 11, no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. So the believer can say today, I have enough. The child of God can be content. I have enough. But how can we be content? What have we got? 
What has the Lord given to us today that would enable you and I in Christ to be content? Well, of course, we can say we have Christ and his salvation, pardon, forgiveness of sins, cleansing from sin through the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, reconciled to God, no longer the enemy of God. We're justified, we're made right with God all on the basis of the atoning work of the sinless Saviour. In that atoning work on the cross, the Lord Jesus Christ satisfied uh, God's justice on my behalf. The justice of God declared, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. And so we were under the condemnation of eternal damnation because of our sin. But the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, as our substitute, offered himself as a sacrifice to satisfy, to find justice on our behalf. And that is what he did on the cross of Calvary in his atoning work. And because of that, we have peace with God. We have the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. The hymn writer penned those words, It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. I have enough because I have Christ and his salvation. But people, we have all other things that accompany salvation. Child of God can say, I have his strength. I have the very strength of God at my disposal. The Psalm 27, the verse 14 he shall strengthen thine heart. Again, we read in the Psalm 41, the first three, the Lord shall strengthen thee upon the bed of languishing. Isaiah 41, the first 10, I am thy God, I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. And the term that is used there for strengthening, that Hebrew word it is translated in other places in the Old Testament, to be courageous, or to fortify, or to establish. The Lord is saying here, I will give you courage. I will fortify you. I'll give you courage to face whatever it is that, has, that will come, and whatever you have to face. People, here is God's strength. Is that enough for me? Well, I should think that it is. The strength of God is enough to uphold the great universe uh, and all that is in it. This world that God has created by the word of his power is upheld by the strength of God. And that is the strength that the Lord is saying, giving to his people. He says, I will strengthen thee. I will give you courage. I will fortify you. So that no matter what comes along, no matter what you have to face, my strength is sufficient for you. And so the child of God can say, well, I have Christ in his salvation. I have the strength and the encouragement of the Lord to fortify me. And again, the child of God can say, I have his grace, the grace of God. Remember the promise, 
that the Lord gave to, gives to his people there in 2 Corinthians 12 and the verse 9. My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. What a wonderful promise that is. There's a little verse there uh, again that is found uh, in, in, in God's word where it talks about the, the grace of God in 2 Corinthians 9. Let me read to you the first eight there. 2 Corinthians 9, the first eight. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. How comprehensive that text is. Look at the words that are used. God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. There's a comprehensive sense there that the grace of God certainly is sufficient for us in all things. The grace of God. We have electing grace, calling grace, forgiving grace, receiving grace, preserving grace, sanctifying grace, grace to bring us to glory. People, God's grace will not fail us. And the child of God can say today, it is enough. The hymn writer penned those words that we sometimes sing, he giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more grace when the labors increase. He giveth and he giveth and he giveth again. This is sufficient for us. Thy grace is enough for me. Grace for every situation. Grace for every circumstance. The child of God can say, I have enough. Is it any wonder that Jacob was able to say, because the Lord has dealt graciously with me, because of what the Lord has done for me and given to me so graciously, I have enough. And so the child of God can say today, I have enough. I have Christ in his salvation. I have the strength of God at my disposal. I have the grace of God for every situation. And then, of course, we have his word. The unchanging word of God, which the Bible tells us is forever settled in heaven. The word of God. Over in the Psalm 19, in the first 10, we have that wonderful uh, exhortation there uh, to the child of God. The preceding verses are dealing with the scriptures of truth, with the word of God. And speaking of the word of God, in the first 10 of the Psalm 19, it says, More to be desired than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also uh, than the honey and the honeycomb. How precious is the word of God to the child of God? People, it is of more value. It is more to be desired than much fine gold. The, the finest of gold. We're not talking about uh, nine carat gold or 18. We're talking about the purest of all gold. And the Lord is comparing or contrasting his word and the value of his word and the preciousness of his word. And he's saying here that his word is more valuable and is to be desired 
more than much fine gold, more than a multitude of fine gold. Oh, how precious is the word of God, sweeter than honey, and sweeter than the honeycomb. Isn't the word of God uh, precious and sweet to us? The word of God which leads us and guides us, the psalmist tells us there in the Psalm 119, it is the first 105, he says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a, a light unto my path. The word of God that leads us and, and guides us and leads us in the paths of righteousness and, and leads us into the blessings of the Lord. The word of God that would forbid us and, and exhort us to stay away uh, from the paths of worldliness, which will bring us harm and hurt. My friend, here is the word of God to lead us into the truth of God and into the blessings of the Lord. Oh, people live by the word of God and don't depart from it and you will be blessed of God. Here's the word of God, which is to exhort us, which is to chastise us, which is to correct us, which is to encourage us. How precious is the word of God. And of course the promises uh, of the word of God, how sweet they are. Promises of God they cannot fail. They are the covenant promises of God who is not a man that he should lie. Over in 2 Corinthians 1, the first 20, we're reading there of those promises of God. Let me just read it to you there of how sure those promises are. 2 Corinthians 1, the first 20. For all the promises of God in him are yea and in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. For all the promises of God. This book contains the promises not of men, but the promises of God. And they are all yea, they are all amen. In Christ Jesus, absolutely sure, absolutely certain, we can take every promise that is made by God to his people in this book. And we can say they are all absolutely sure and certain because they're all in Christ and they're ours in Christ and the benefits to us are through his atoning work. Here we have the promises of a never failing God. People his word is enough for me. The child of God can see then what we have in Christ. Why we can say with Jacob, well, I have enough. God has graciously given these things to me. I can be content with them. I have enough. I have his word. Uh, and how precious that word is. And then, of, co of, of course, people, we have his love. Uh, I have the love of God. In the midst of the storm and the cloud and grief and pain and discouragement and disappointment, we have the Lord and we have his love. Oh, listen, child of God, you have the love of God. How much he loves his people. Over there in Ephesians 3, that little verse of scripture that the chorus that the children often sing is to be found. The children sing how high, uh, so high we can't get over it, so low 
We can't get on and so wide. We can't get rounded. Oh, wonderful love. Here we have that verse, verse 17 of Ephesians 3. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, and ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. So high, so wide, so low, people, here is the love of God that is beyond our comprehension. We can't really understand the fullness of the love of God towards us. How much does God love us? Look there again at John 17, the verse 23. Here we have the Lord Jesus Christ. He's in prayer with the Father. And he says in that verse 23, I and them and thou and me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. How much does God love me? How much, do, how much does God love his children as much as he loves his own dear son? His own dear sinless son. That is what the Lord Jesus Christ is saying here. That God the Father has loved his own dear people as much as he has loved his own dear sinless son. Dear people, God loves you and me as much as he loves his own dear sinless son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought to consider that. He shows us that love. He shows us that love on Calvary's cross. Why did Jesus die on Calvary's cross to purchase salvation for vile, filthy sinners like you and me? Because of the love of God. For God so loved the world. That's you and me, sinners, vile and filthy. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Come whatever will, the Lord loves us. Child of God can say he loves me, even if no one else loves me. He loves me, even of all the world hates me, the Lord loves me. I have enough. And then, of course, we can say, I have an eternal home in heaven. And when we go there to First Peter 1 and the first 4 and those well-known thoughts we're reading there of heaven as an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Here is the promise of God. Here is what the child of God has before him. This is what we have, people. Here is our eternal home in heaven. It is undefiled. It's not needing repairs, not needing any, any renovations. It fadeth not away. It's reserved in heaven for me that even this very day in heaven there is a home prepared for me that is reserved for me. 
an eternal home. Dear child of God, oh, that we can grasp all that we have today in the Lord Jesus Christ. That we could fully take it to our hearts and embrace it. That the child of God can say, I have enough. For I have Christ and his salvation. I have his strength to encourage me in the face of whatever comes. I have all of the fullness of the blessings of the Lord. I have his provisions. I've got his power. I've got his promises. And I've got paradise lying before me. But people, even before we get home to glory, we have something else. And that is we have the presence of the Lord with us. Child of God has the presence of the Lord. The unsaved haven't got that. The unsaved might say, I have enough, looking at what their bank balance says or whatever. But they haven't got Christ. Maybe there's one in this meeting today and you're not saved. And you think, well, you're doing quite well in the world. And maybe you are according to the world's standards. And you say, well, preacher, I have enough. I've got this and I've got that. I have enough, my friend. You haven't got Christ as your saviour. Your sins are still on your own account. You haven't got the sweetness of the promises of the word of God that are made out to his people. You haven't got a home in heaven that is reserved for you as yet. You've never come to Christ. You have no thought, my friend, that will even cheer the dismal darkness of your meditations upon the tomb that you're facing. And as you think about death, and I would imagine that you certainly try to think about it as little as possible. You don't want to see the issue that one day you will die, one day you'll be put into a casket and your body will be put into the ground. You don't want to think about that. It's going to happen, my friend. And you haven't Christ. You haven't got God's salvation. And you have no hope of heaven. And if you die as you are now in your sin, you'll be lost and doomed and damned in the eternal, the eternal pit of hell to endure forever the wrath of God and the anger of God upon you because of your sin. And you certainly don't have the presence of the Lord with you. Oh, the presence of the Lord. Remember over there in Isaiah 41, the first 10. There we read the Lord saying, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. Fear thee not, for I am with thee. In the chapter 43 of Isaiah, those opening five or six verses there, the Lord is talking about his people going through times of difficulties, going through the fire and going through the waters. And the Lord is saying to his people, when you go through the waters, when you go through the fires, when you go through the afflictions and the troubles of life, he says, fear not. Why? Fear not, for I am with thee. No matter what the troubles are in life, and they do come, the Lord's presence is a secured for us. Over in Matthew 28, the first 20, we have the last promise that the risen Saviour 
gave to his disciples before his ascension. And he said to them, Lo, I am with thee always, even unto the end of the world. Lo, I am with thee always. And again we remember there Hebrews 13, the first five. Be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Is not a promise to take hold of. He has said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Is it any wonder, he says, then be content with such things as ye have? Be content, my friend, with the things that God has given to us. The blessings that flow to us in and through Christ. The blessings of salvation, the blessings of his encouragement, of his strength. All of these blessings, my friend, that are ours. And then that of his presence with us. There's a hymn. It's not in our hymn book as far as I know. <clears throat> but the chorus of that hymn says, No, never alone. No, never alone. He promised never to leave me. Never to leave me alone. Is it any wonder Jacob could say, Because the Lord has dealt graciously with me, I have enough. Child of God can say the very same thing. Because the Lord has dealt graciously with me, I have enough. I have Christ, his pardon, his peace, his presence, his provision, his power, his promises, his paradise. I have everything in Christ. But just let me close with this remark. We have access to the throne of grace. We have access to the place of prayer, all in Christ. Hebrews 4 and the verse 16 we read, Let us come boldly onto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. There's the promise of God. There's the invitation of the Lord. There's the way open. There's the access that we have. The Lord says here that we're to come boldly onto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and that we may find grace to help in a time of need. How often we need help. How often, my friend, we have times of need. And here the Lord is saying, you have access to the throne of grace. Over there in Ephesians 3, the verses 11 and 12, according to the eternal purpose, which he, which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. We have access with confidence. We can come with confidence right into the presence of the Lord in prayer. There to find grace to help in a time of need. People, we have everything that we have need of. Right to this very thing, access into the presence of the Lord. He'll never turn us away. He'll never close the door and block our entrance into his presence. I was thinking when I was watching a news uh, item uh, a few weeks ago, there was a man being interviewed uh, for, on, on the television. Uh, it was some important interview, I understand. BBC was having him to give his uh, opinion on some particular important world matter, world view. 
And as he was being interviewed, I'm sure you saw it, uh, two of his children came in. A wee toddler came running into the room and up to the daddy and then followed by another wee toddler in a wee walking frame. Two of them into the room and running up to their daddy and shouting and making a noise. And I saw the daddy in the interview trying to hold the wee one back. Trying to hold the wee one back. It didn't work. Uh, they both come up to him and I suppose in a sense the interview was spoiled until the mummy came in and dragged them all out. But the door wasn't locked. I was thinking those wee ones had access through an unlocked door right in to the very presence of their father. Didn't suit at that particular time, humanly speaking. But people, we have access right in through an open door into the presence of our father. I remember when I was uh, studying uh, in, 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 the, in the manse, Jerry, uh, when I was studying, uh, I didn't lock the door. And our children often would have come in uh, to the room. They very often would have come in and said, we'll be quiet, I'll be quiet, I'll just sit here and read a book. And they would get a book and sit and read it for a while. They didn't always keep their word and they, they weren't always quiet. But I didn't like the idea of locking the door and keeping them out. And so they would come in to the study oftentimes when I was studying. And I would try to study while they were there and then uh, uh, after a little while they would go out again. I just never liked the idea of locking the door on the children and keeping them out. Because I used to think oftentimes, well the door was never locked for me as far as my father and mother was concerned. Never once did they ever say to me, uh, it doesn't suit now, I have no time for you, tell me later on. Uh, uh, the way I was always open to talk to them. I wanted that for my children. But my friend, it's only a very vague and simple picture of the access that we have to God the Father through Christ. At any time, in every situation, every circumstance, no matter what the need might be, we can go to the Lord, to the throne of grace, and we will find mercy and grace to help in that time of need. Is it any wonder that Jacob said, because of what the Lord has graciously given to me, I have enough. Dear people, let us live content in the Lord. There's a contentment and satisfaction to be found in Christ. Let our minds be upon him, let our hearts be upon him. Let us often meditate and think about what he's given to us. And when we see all that the Lord has given to us, then we will see the blessings that are ours. We will see the privileges that are ours. Count our blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. We don't maybe take enough time to count the blessings that we have and to name them one by one. And if we did that, I think we would be surprised at all that we have in and through Christ. I trust the Lord will take these few simple words and thoughts today and apply them to our hearts that they might be an encouragement to us.